Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Water is an essential nutrient for all animals and can therefore be a key issue for livestock producers. Adequate supply of good quality water is important for animal welfare, productivity and thus profitability. The suitability of water for stock use is determined by many factors and in this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Michael Glazier and Dr Emily Stearman to explore the issue further. Michael is the manager of the Environmental and Analytical Laboratories at the Charles Sturt University in Wagga Wagga. The laboratory provides water testing, soil testing and effluent testing to industry. Emily is a veterinarian and acting team leader for the Animal Biosecurity and Welfare with the Riverina Local Land Services. Welcome Michael and Emily and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. Hi Fiona, hi Emily. Hi Michael, hi Fiona. Michael, I'd like to start the podcast with you. How does a producer conduct a water test? Um, The first thing you want to do is speak to the lab that you're going to send it through and see if they offer a sampling kit. Um, If they do, that makes things much easier. Um, Some instances you might want to sample with something you've got on hand already. So if you use a plastic container that's sterilised, so the easiest way is if you get your one litre plastic container, clean it out with water from the jug, then fill it up with what you want to sample and empty that out and then resample that water and um, that'll keep it nice and sterile and make sure it's representative of what you want to test. Um, when sending it into the lab, it's probably a good idea to try and keep it cool. And if you're testing for something like E. coli, there may be special bottles that the lab wants you to sample in, so that's something you have to check. Um, best ways of sampling on a farm is, uh, if you're dealing with bores, you want to make sure that the bore is well flushed before you sample. Um, and make sure if it's a brand new bore, you may want to take a week before you sample just to make sure it's something representative of what's coming out of the ground. For a dam, you might want to take a couple of points around the dam, um, make sure it's under the water level and mix them all together, get something representative of what is actually happening in that water. You just mentioned that you should keep the product really cool on the way to the labs through transportation. Is there any other things that producers should bear in mind once they've collected their sample, when they send their sample off to the labs? What information should accompany it? Um, You can't give the lab too much information. So definitely put name, contact information, the source of the water. So if it was a bore or a dam or a holding tank, Um, What you want to use the water for can be helpful, so if it's for um, sheep or dairy dairy cattle, um, and then any other background information that you have on hand can be really helpful for the lab trying to work out what to test for. Um, We've had some landholders ask for testing in areas that used to be used for sheep dip, so then we know to check for arsenic in case that's contaminated the water supply. Um, So stuff like that can be invaluable for the lab. 
Yeah, things that we probably wouldn't always think of. So thank you for that, Michael. There's obviously many different water sources available on farm that we could test. What's normal to test and how often would you test those water sources? Uh, we get a range of different samples at the lab. So from bore water to dam, um, we get effluent water so, um, and also water from tanks that are feeding into um, houses or to other situations. Um, how often? It depends on if the water's critical. So if you've got something that needs to be below a certain level, you want to sort of test it more often, maybe even each season. If um, it's something that's less critical, you could probably push it out. What factors can influence the suitability of water for livestock? Uh, there's a, a few factors that can um, affect suitability. The main one I would say is the amount of salt in the water that's going to um, affect the use. So the um, best place to check is if you go to the local land services uh, website and look for their fact sheets, it'll break down on different types of stock and what sort of salt levels are going to affect them and how badly. And what there's obviously a range of elements that you can test for in the labs these days. What elements do you do as a standard test in a water test? For livestock production, we'd probably test for calcium, chloride, conductivity, total hardness, magnesium, nitrate and nitrite, pH, sulphate and total dissolved solids. Yeah, well, that's a lot of elements. <laughs> Is it possible to test less initially in order to save money and then come back if there's a need to afterwards? Can labs advise on that sort of process? Definitely. So we, we would um, probably start with something like conductivity. If the salt's through the roof and it's, you know it's not going to be suitable for any of the uses you want it for, there's no point spending any more money finding out how much nitrite's in the sample. It's already no good for you, your current use. Great. and. Michael, when the results come out, they can sometimes be pretty confusing. There's all different units used. Are this, is that consistent from lab to lab, the units that come out? Uh, it depends on different labs and different specialities. So um, water chemists as opposed to agronomists may use different units. So for conductivity, you might get your results in microsiemens per centimetre or deciseemens per metre, or it might be converted over to total dissolved solids and then it'll be in milligrams per litre or parts per million. So if there's a particular unit that you require, it's probably good to tell the lab at the start that I want the units reported in these units. Yeah, it seems to be a common thread. The more information you can put in up front, the better your results will be. Um, Michael, it's no doubt quite challenging for a producer to analyse their test results. Once they get their test back, there are a lot of fact sheets out from local land services and places like that now, but who can they contact for further help if they require it? Um, definitely local land services would be the first port of call and they, if they can't help you, they might be able to point you into the right direction of someone that can. Generally, labourers can't talk too much about um, interpretation of results. They can only have a knowledge on how to get the results. So I'd definitely start with local land services. Okay. And if the water quality comes back and it's not looking particularly terrific for the purposes that the producer needs, what treatment options are available out there for improving water quality? There's a few. They've all got their positives and negatives. The um, Probably the safest one, if you can do it, is if you've got a, another source of water that's a bit cleaner, is to make what they call a shandy of the two and try and 
um, dilute out any problems you've got with the water. So there's a saying in chemistry, dilution is the solution, and that's probably the easiest way if you can do it. Um, additional chemicals, so um, if you've got issues with your pH, you can push it back towards neutral with either alum or lime, but that introduces other problems as well. So if you're adding lime, you're also adding calcium to your sample. Um, or on-site desalination units, some people um, think they're a good option. Uh, depending on the situation, but they do also have the problem if you've got waste produced in a brine solution when you're using our desal units, which then you have to work out how to get rid of. Mm, there's a fair few options available there. Well, thanks, Michael, for sharing your knowledge with us today and for joining me on It's Time For You. No problems at all. Thank you, guys. Emily, Michael has covered off on how to water test and the analysis. I'd like to change the focus towards animal production now so to start us off, when we interpret water analysis results, what are the main factors important for animal production? So water intake is a key driver in any animal production system. As soon as you have anything that reduces an animal's water intake, you'll have a loss in production by weight gain um, or otherwise a major impact on their health in severe cases. The biggest things to focus on um, that potentially impact palatability of the water and the reason why an animal may um, be reluctant to drink include salinity, pH, fecal or nutrient contamination that may lead to either contamination of that water or secondary algal blooms from this increased nutrient content. Um, pH and salinity are things that essentially um, Michael may have touched on that can be um, manipulated in water. Um, the issues with livestock um, and these areas tends to be when levels of um, salinity, fecal contamination or algal blooms actually result in toxicities for animals. Right, you touched on toxicity there. Are there higher risk areas for water to become toxic for animals? Yeah, so essentially um, salinity tends to be the, the biggest risk and it has to be in very high levels before you start seeing stock deaths. Um, but salt toxicity is possible where you have excessive levels of salinity in water. Um, this can be measured obviously by conductivity and, and total dissolved salts as Michael will have covered on. So looking at those factors can determine whether you're going to reach toxic levels in animals essentially. Algal blooms in general, uh, there are thousands of species of farm dam algae. Um, a lot of these species do not cause um, overt toxicity. They may reduce palatability and, and can cause mild gut upsets. Blue-green algae tends to be the main um, algae that will actually result in um, substantial disease and, and eventually death in animals. Fecal contamination tends to reduce palatability, um, but again, in high levels can cause gut upsets, um, you know, essentially for overpopulation of all the bugs that started in the gut originally and have then ended up in water via feces. So they're the main areas that can result in a, in a full-blown um, animal disease um, outbreak, essentially. Um, Michael may have touched on um, the fact that there are some mineral imbalances that you can find in water. Um, we don't commonly see mineral deficiencies or excesses in water um, or in animals as a result of water testing, uh, although these can occur and obviously that's why we, we look at those in, um, in a water test result. 
Emily, if a producer gets a poor result when they get their water analysis test back that they weren't expecting, I'm not sure if this is common, but if it happens, what could they do? Yeah, so essentially um, there's two, two questions to consider is whether you have animals with access to the water when you send in a sample or whether you're actually testing the water prior to the animals being on there. The biggest thing with any test result, whether it's feed or water, is, is considering the interaction that that will have with the animals. Obviously, if we're testing prior to animals accessing it um, and we come back with high salt levels or high coliform counts, then we're going to proceed with caution, essentially, in having livestock access that water um, and consider you know, water treatment or actually preventing access to that water. If we have animals currently um, using that water source and it comes back with excessively high salt levels, um, as an example again, and this range is at a level where you would suspect to see animal deaths, but your sheep are well, maybe slightly, um, you know, slightly low in condition or otherwise if, if they're reluctant to drink it, probably consider your sampling technique. If the animals aren't fitting the picture that the water test results come back on, um, they're the best indicator that there's probably some inaccuracies in the sampling process, which has skewed your test results. And the best thing to do in this situation would be to reconsider your sampling technique and repeat that sample for that water source. That's good advice, Emily. There are many ways of treating water, which Michael has touched on for us today. One of the solutions to bore water contamination is to transfer it into a holding dam and then store and treat it. From an animal production point of view, is this successful or are there better alternatives out there? So bore water um, in terms of contaminants tends to be often higher in, in salt and hardness um, qualities. So it really would very very, very uncommonly um, would be impacted by an algal bloom or coliforms until that water actually reaches the surface. So essentially the more spots it's moved, the more um, sources it has to be contaminated from that point onwards. Um, the secret to any uh, level of pollution is always to dilute it out, um, essentially. So whenever you're shandying two water sources together, you can ultimately you know, reduce qualities that are high in, in both sources. But one of the biggest things with pumping bore water is it's an expense. Um, typically when we're talking about topping up farm dams, um, we're looking at times of the year where you've got quite high evaporation rates. And so the expense of pumping bore water into a surface dam where you're going to have high levels of evaporation is quite expensive. Um, you end up wasting a lot of the water that you put in. Um, but the other thing that can happen is the more times you're pumping bore water into a surface dam and it evaporates, you increase the salt percentage of the water that you're pumping back into it. So as you're getting water dissolving off from a, a salty bore, you increase the salt in that dam water each time. So it creates an area where you have potentially a high risk dam for salt toxicity and we have had cases of this in um, the Riverina and Murray LLS. So recommendation, if you're going to go to the effort of pumping bore water to the surface, you're better off to contain that within a troughing system. It's 
a little bit more work and expenditure on infrastructure, but um, your delivery of water and ability to clean and manipulate that water in a trough situation is far greater than pumping it into a surface dam. Thanks, Emily. That wraps us up for this episode of It's Time For You. So thanks, Michael and Emily, for sharing your knowledge with us today and for joining me on It's Time For You. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales. And you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.